Hello and welcome to episode four of New Horizons. I'm your host, Steve, and joining me in the studio today, we have got our new regular host, Mark. Hello. And we've also got recurring host, Mike, from Gatecast. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody. Now, Mark, first time joining us, would you like to tell people a little bit about yourself and how you got into Star Trek? Yeah, um, Scottish, obviously, <laughs> from the accent. Um, bit of a podcast geek going way, way back to a little show called Priority One. Started that, handed it over, a um, couple other things along the way. But Star Trek for me is a controversial start, to say the least. I started with Voyager. And I always remember the first ones, it was, I would say, the best two-parters ever was The Year of Hell. Absolutely. Yep. Friday night, it was on before Buffy the Vampire Slayer on Sky TV over here. And I thought, I'm going to check this Star Trek out finally. And I was hooked ever since. And then that led me to the rest of the TV shows, the movies, Star Trek Online, and then eventually into podcasting. Yeah, same with me, with sort of Voyager and... Eventually up to podcasting as well. Very similar story. I say it doesn't matter how you get involved with Star Trek as long as you as long as you do. Whether it's uh, old school TOS, uh, the new JJ movies, even if it's Discovery. Discovery's your first time. Just imagine of all the goodies you've got to look forward to after that. Absolutely, it's such a diverse set of shows. Each series has something different. Um, some people, for me, getting through the original series, I found so hard to do. <laughs> Anybody? I admit I've still not done it. <laughs> oh, shame. <laughs> well, when Netflix got all of the Star Trek series for the UK last July, I thought, right, because there was a lot of TOS I hadn't seen either. So I thought, right, I'm going to watch everything so i went through all of it so in eight months i watched all 726 episodes and 13 films Jeez. so um so yeah it it was fun going through it all um there was quite a lot of the original series that i hadn't seen or just didn't remember i found there were two episodes of the next generation i'd never seen but everything else i had done um, but yeah, it was good watching it. But yeah, getting through the original series, I found tough. Now, I'm not one to sleep, as anyone who knows me, well, <laughs> knows. <laughs> and I actually found that through a couple of the episodes, I actually fell asleep. So, um, <laughs> it was. Good to remember the future. <laughs> but it was made a few decades before my time, sort of storytelling moved on what they could put on TV had moved on. So we'd already seen so much more in my view with Star Trek. And going back to what we're talking about, which is Star Trek Discovery, and what we're hoping to get out of the new series and what we're sort of worried about, things like that. One of the things I'm looking forward to with Star Trek Discovery is where it will now take us. Because even if you go back to Enterprise, which was the last Star Trek TV series we saw, there was still a lot you didn't really see on TV. 
plus they're pushing up the rating a little bit so it's the sort of the max end of the pg sort of 12 rating sort of thing so they're going to be able to cover a lot more sort of content wise and subject wise than they probably would have in previous series and to me that's exciting i'd like to see what they're going to do with it now mark yes are you excited about star trek discovery or are you sort of dubious about it all i'm excited but i think mainly for the fact is i want to surprise myself so i have intentionally not watched any sort of preview looked at any sort of pictures i want to come into this fresh Okay. You get the whole people are buying into it and you get the, the criticisms already. It is Star <laughs> Trek, it is bound to happen. So I decided I would distance myself from it. So I would come into it fresh and in that alone, knowing that it's now, what is it, 13 days away for us? As we record, yes, 13 yes, days. Yes, as we record. I'm, I'm getting excited to the point where I'm going, am I going to be able to resist much longer not watching any kind of preview or looking at any new pictures? <laughs> so you don't want to visit our New Horizons website and go to the blog about the trailers then? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. want to keep away from that? I have avoided everything that came out of Vegas, all the pictures, because I had lots of friends out there that went to the sort of display museum thing, and I want that. I, I avoided social media that entire week. <laughs> Uh, and especially as there's a lot of it as well. Oh, that there was. Oh, that. So, what is it you would like to see in Star Trek Discovery? Different storytelling, more modern takes on old classics. Yeah, for for like me personally, the inclusion of LGBT characters is huge. It's something I never thought I would see in a Star Trek TV show bringing that different dynamic, that different sort of storytelling, that feeling of inclusion, mm-hmm. I want to say, and that's one part of it. And I just want to see what a modern take on Trek is going to be, because it is, however you want to call it, I keep calling it a reimagining. It's going to be set around at the same time as Toss. They couldn't go back to the blinky little lights. It would never work. I want to see the tone. I want to see what it would be, you know, I've always thought that Trek, even Deep Space Nine and Voyager, it was the, the 90s version of the future. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that existed then as sci-fi now actually really exists. So where are we going to push ourselves now? Okay. Now, Mike, you yes. said in one of our previous episodes that you're not really looking forward to Star Trek Discovery that much. So what is it that you're hoping to see in the show and what are you hoping not to see in the show? It's not so much that I'm not looking forward to it. That's probably a bit too negative. I'm just not overly excited about the prospect. Even as you said, it's 13 days. I went, uh, okay, <laughs> I'll, watch, I'll watch it when it turns up. Yeah, I was, sorry about this, but I was more excited about the Orville last night, which uh, <laughs> says a lot. Uh, what do I expect from it? Like, like you say, it's modern storytelling. That's we know we're going to get that. They've made it quite clear. This is going to be uh, the full force of narrative series, long arcs, character development. Uh, I doubt I'll be disappointed about that. From what I've seen so far, and like I said, I haven't really been jumping feet first into all the trailers and uh, featurettes that are doing the rounds at the moment. 
uh, I don't think I'm going to be disappointed in the character growth of uh, of the characters, obviously. Uh, what I don't want to see, uh, I'm worried about, I've got to say, I'm worried about Harry Mudd. They may be forcing uh, a humour element into it, although we don't know yet. It, this That character may be totally different to what we saw on the original series. I suppose he's got to be different. Uh, yeah, well, I suppose with Harry Mudd, this is him 10 years younger. So he's like with a lot of us when we're younger, we're a lot more sort of excitable, um, a lot more daring. Right. So, yeah. So we'll probably see a Harry Mudd that may be a little bit more that way inclined with what's happening. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they take him. So um, definitely a character to look out for. Yeah, it could, it could be at the end of uh, the first batch of episodes, Harry Mudd is a, a broken man. And that is the beginnings of the character we know from original series. That's one of the beauties. They're dropping little, you know, little hints of what could be. And at this point, we simply don't know. It's uh, it's, it's impossible to make a, a judgment based on what we've seen because until we've seen the whole whole series, the whole first season, both parts, we can't really make any any decisions. We can talk about it. We can disagree. We can uh, make fun of some of the images and some of the uh, the ideas that are coming out of uh, CBS and through Netflix. But we're just gonna have to wait and see. Yeah. But one of the things now you guys have sort of briefly touched upon the fact that with this version of Star Trek, it's going to be less episodic than what we've had before. And one of the things that attracted me to series like Stargate Universe was the fact that although you'd got sort of episodes where you'd got the start and the finish of a story within most of the episodes it was a continuous development um you're with these crew a lot more it wasn't like you picked it up in one episode and then the next episode could have been weeks or months later sort of thing and you get that extra character development so one of the things that i'm looking forward to is seeing that um, one of the episodes which a lot of people always liked with things like The Next Generation was always things like Lower Decks, where you got to see more things happening within the ship, more interactions with the crew. And I think we'll probably get something a little bit more that way. And for me, that's just exciting. Sort of, It's the sort of sci-fi I've enjoyed watching, whether it's sort of Dark Matter... Um, sort of, I mentioned sort of like Stargate Universe and a load of other ones as well. Sort of, it's the way that storytelling is done on TV, and with TV production these days, it's basically cinema sort of quality mm -hmm. that you're getting with props, with stages. Um, sort of, when sort of, I mentioned this on Gatecast when it came to the set for Stargate Universe and um, Robert Carlyle looked at the set and said he hadn't seen anything so good since he was on the Bond set um, because for him 
a TV set, you didn't have that sort of quality. But these days, that's a sort of a standard now. And with how easier, how much easier it is because of technology, software, and all sorts of other things to do things with computer-generated graphics as well. And the quality you get from that, um, yeah, we're going to get sort of movie-style things on the small screen. I say small screen these days. People have got huge TVs <laughs> in 4K quality, so it's not exactly small screen these days. And the, the smaller screen. Mm. And it's one of the reasons why production for these things have, of course, had to step up. So a lot of there's a lot more detail in what you're going to see in Star Trek Discovery compared to well, especially the original series, but even if you compare it to what we saw with the Next Generation Deep Space Nine and Voyager and such, um, yeah. you even saw that when you, if you compare just Enterprise to how much cleaner and higher quality things looked when you compare Enterprise with the original series. Because they have to, because people, they're just not going to watch it if it looks like it came from the 60s. No more stagehands at each side of the door pulling it apart as people approach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we these days you've actually got... You can easily put a sensor in to actually just make it happen. You don't actually have to have it. <laughs> that yep. is someone manually operating it. That's Although, what I tried to say earlier as well. You know, Star Trek had to be updated. You couldn't go back to the blinky lights and expect people to follow. I know that's what people want, and they want that area, but area era but we kind of need to move with the times and that's a good nail on the head of it is visual as hd things on invisible wire aren't going to really cut it anymore because invisible wire is no longer invisible so mike how do you feel about them going back to do basically another prequel so it's it's pre-tos um what are your thoughts of them actually going back to that part of the timeline I was very disappointed that was the route they chose to go. Uh, I think they've already done a prequel. Uh, I will admit there are huge gaps in the timeline that uh, that can be exploited. There are story threads of the star of Starfleet and the Federation that have never been explored. They've latched onto one particular one, which they're going to expand upon for Discovery. Uh, as you say, mod modern audiences, modern filming techniques, you cannot produce... Uh, a prequel or a sequel to the original series and have it that visual aesthetic it wouldn't work uh, star trek continues obviously mimics it virtually identically and they rely on the story and the love for the original series to sell it they don't have to get 5 million 10 million plus subscribers to make it work uh, obviously as said previously i'd have liked to have seen them move forward whether probably well beyond DS9, uh, maybe into a time when you know the Federation was kind of reborn, the uh, the conflict uh, between the Jemadar, the founders, the Cardassians that were behind them, there were a period of rebuilding, give you new technology, new planets, new aliens, new characters, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, that of course hasn't been ruled out. Who knows? Discovery is a, a success. Uh, the money comes flowing in, CBS, Netflix, they say, you know, how about a second series? Let's let's do something slightly different. Let's go forward a bit. Who knows? 
and that is that is what I'm hoping for. No matter what happens to Discovery, I'd still like to see something far into the future of what we've seen before. So, why is it you're disappointed the fact that it's not in the future? Is there a particular reason because of that, or um, is it just you want everything just to move on? I believe that, like Enterprise, they have they you've got to juggle storylines, you've got to juggle events to make them fit in with if you want the established TV and movie canon. Doesn't always work. Sometimes they come up with brilliant ideas, and it and it fits perfectly. And you, and you think, why was I worried? The the, the the classic Klingon forehead, the Klingons. Yeah, they're they're a subject for discussion with Discovery, aren't they? Uh, again, like I said in uh, one of the previous episodes I was on, uh, I liked the idea that the uh, smooth head headed Klingons, the more human looking Klingons, were hybrids. Uh, crossbreeds that were put on the frontier of the Klingon Empire. That's why they were always met in combat with Starfleet uh, in Kirk's era. Uh, we got something different from Enterprise, and it seems to work. I, I was quite happy with it. Enterprise again. Who would have thought they'd have been able to do a Borg episode? They made it, they <laughs> oh. made it work. And it, whether or not you liked it or not, it made sense with what we'd seen. I still yeah. think that episode, they slightly jumped the shark. <laughs> <laughs> well how how they took it fair enough yes how, how the story played out but with with the temporal timeline as it was in the uh, first contact the world could have been bog wreckage on earth during that period i know i don't doubt there was from like the first contact movie I and mean, you just kind of look at it and go really really you're going down this path yeah i, I think they could have avoided using the frangy and cool. Most most of the Enterprise's cop arts was that we never knew their name. And you're right, okay. Uh. <laughs> That's one of my worries that they're gonna do they're gonna do things, gonna say things, they're gonna ignore things, and my TOS loving heart is gonna be screaming. <laughs> and I hope that's not the case. I fear that there will be one of few occasions I'm sitting there watching it and I shout I end up shouting at the screen. And cursing the writers. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose for me, the fact that, as I sort of, I have mentioned this in previous episodes, the fact that it is, of course, locked in with what they can do means we get a lot more character development. The fact that it's going to be more serialized means that what we see is going to be over a much shorter period of time. So it's allows a lot of things to happen in one area of Trek, which doesn't necessarily have to affect everything else we've seen. Because the thing is, even if they moved forward after DS9, we have still seen things through Voyager where, literally, we're into the 29th, 30th century. So we know things that happen and how ships change all the way up to, because I think the Enterprise J that we saw was 31st century? I think so. So, how far would they have to go to completely have a clean slate? And then what happens, you've basically got all this technology, and one of the things with the stuff that came out of the 80s and 90s is there's always a technological answer for literally everything whereas 
now they're going back. Um, one of the reasons which, especially in the later couple of series for um, Enterprise, it was good because they were so restricted with what they had. Mm-hmm. It made it, it was more about the characters. It was more about the story rather than, oh, we'll just invent this thing and that solves this whole episode's problem. And it's one of the things that, because again, first of all, it's just like, oh, another prequel. But then when I thought about it, I thought, actually, I think this is a good thing. No, you're right. I would, I've always thought of, they can't go too far forward because if technology starts advancing, it becomes less and less like technology and you more might as well just start calling it magic. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like the idea that they are confined to what they can do and, and everything, but... It'll be interesting to see the slight adaptions and changes of where did they leave it in Enterprise and where will we pick it up again in the original series. But uh, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how it all fits together. Um, as people who have seen the trailers and any images, we know there are changes to what we've seen so far in the Klingons. Um, that now, it has been said that these are Klingons that have sort of broken away from um, the main houses and we know that we're going to see and hear about a lot more Klingon houses than we did previously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I counted it up to 24 or 25 houses they'd mentioned. Oh jeez. Whereas so far according to memory alpha I think only 11 are listed. So it shows there's a whole area of Klingons and of course when you look at people from Earth you've got so many different colours, races and everything else whereas when it comes to Star Trek all the other species always look the same Mm -hmm. you've never got well what happened if these Klingons were originally from another continent or they not only were from another continent, but they also broke off to go for another planet at the edge of Klingon space. Um, Actually, Jack, I can't believe I've never thought like that before. So there are lots of ways, and especially if you go back to Enterprise and the Augment virus, if these Klingons stayed separate from all the other Klingons, then you've got sort of a hundred years where maybe they didn't get infected. Um they, because of the planet they were on, they took on slightly different characteristics. Um, there are so many things that they could work into the story, just like they did with working in how the original series Klingons had no foreheads, which it took them, what, 40 years to actually come up with a proper reason why. <laughs> so there's a, with the storytelling talent we've got behind the show, and as I said, I've recently been reading the Kirsten Byer Voyager novels. Which, oh, I love her. I absolutely love her. Yeah, they were fantastic books. And the way that she managed to sort of hook in such of the smallest bits of story from the TV episodes. And it just all linked in and flowed throughout the books. It, I, think, I think, well, if she's done that with just the books, she can do that again with sort of the TV series and she's not the only one so we've got David Mack who out of all the novels that I've read Star Trek um, 
going to say Star Trek Discovery, um, Star Trek um, Destiny, that trilogy mm-hmm. is still my f- favourite novel um, out of all of them. And he's doing the tie-in books and they've been working very closely to make sure it all fits as well. Um, and we've got other talented people who are writing for it who well more than anything they are star trek fans themselves and they've also hired people to um actually check what they're doing against current law and things like that so for me i'm not too worried about the fact that it's a prequel but of course only time will tell when we actually get to see it now when it comes to sort of the reimagining of a lot of the technology we're going to see, Mike, out of all the stuff that you've seen so far, is there anything that sort of has really sort of come up on your radar or something that you like or dislike? So far, no. Nothing that really stands out. Nothing. I can, I can be ridiculously niggly and say that. Everything looks like it should be in a 25th century starship. That's unfortunately is the side effect of modern production telling a story set in a previous uh, era. And no two ways of getting around that for the reasons you know, you've both given. Uh, the transporter, that looks interesting. Uh, the actual minute detail in it. Uh, it looks like they've done, gone to extremes with the uh, costuming, the uh, the fabric and whatnot. That could be, although that's probably something you might not notice when you're actually watching the show. show that's something behind the, more like behind the scenes or on the extras uh, when the show eventually comes to uh, Blu-ray. Hopefully, it comes out on Blu-ray. Um, no, like I say, I haven't I haven't been watching too many trailers, so. What I have seen has neither really put me off the show or really made me want to watch it. Okay. What about you, Mark? I've really been liking the look of the Shenzhou. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, I think that's how it's said. But what's getting me is, is the bridge in the bottom of the ship? Um, No, the Shenzhou, the bridge is at the top. I believe it's the Discovery that we've actually got the bridge at the bottom. From the that just slips my mind. Like, <laughs> why? You know, I like, like the design so far. The one thing I'm not too sure of, and it's totally random, is the spacesuit. Because it looks a bit more advanced to me than the first contact ones. Like, um, with all these extra boosters where you can fly about in space. and What somebody mentioned to me, I can't even remember who it was, um, is that maybe a spacesuit, but it's actually got armour on because she's going into combat situation mm. so, so it could that... be the first instance of a combat spacesuit yes and i thought that was an interesting thought because um yeah from what we see she's heading out to meet the klingons and that would make sense if you're going out into space like we've seen previously you would just wear a spacesuit but if you're going to a combat situation you'd want something a bit thicker more gadgets more protection which sort of explains what we see there as well. But so, then the question is, why didn't they use it in first contact on the, the deflector dish? 
Well, that's the same with most of Trek. It's like, well, why didn't they just use that? Um, they needed to be more maneuverable around the Borg. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the end of the day, they were going out to do something on the deflector array more than they were to combat the Borg because the Borg are easy to adapt to energy weapons. So there's not much they could do with the technology they had. So I suppose you could pass it away sort of with that sort of thing. Mm. But um, it's the same with anything. You even if you rewatch the series now, it's just like, yeah, they could have just done that, but then like the episode would have been over in ten minutes. True, true, true. In many ways, the worst thing you can do is rewatch a show more more than once. You, no matter how much you love the show, you'll start nitpicking it. <laughs> it won't Absolutely. ruin your enjoyment of the show. It, you'll just you'll you start seeing the little hot plot holes and the little. You know, where the writers had to cover things up a little bit. Because <laughs> well, the hand. Look at this over here while we hate that over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also with a lot of TV shows, especially sort of going back to, well, even to the original series all the way through to um, Voyager, is you've also got the networks that were going, no, no, you can't do that. No, we want this to happen. And lots of things got changed from the original storylines. Um, I remember one of the reasons why we got, I can't remember who told it, um, but I think at a convention someone was actually, one of the stars were actually saying one of the reasons they got to do so much more in the later years of Deep Space Nine was that Voyager was one of the TV channel's sort of lead shows. So a lot of the attention was given to Voyager, especially by the network, and they just let Deep Space Nine continue in the background sort of thing, which allowed them to do things away from the norm of the way they had been doing like the next generation and how they were doing Voyager. Mm. And those last three series of Deep Space Nine were the best ones that they'd got, really. They were Um, like, just to go for it. It's fine, just go for it. Yeah, because they didn't have the restrictions of someone at the network going, actually, I want this to happen. Um, But these days, the networks don't, well, from what I hear when you sort of read about these things, you don't hear from sort of writers and um, producers and things like that saying, well, I wanted to do it this way, but the network told me to do it that way. That doesn't seem to happen as much these days because I just don't ever hear about it. Of course, it might do. Um, I'm not in that industry, so um, I can't say for sure. But sort of, I think the fact that most of this had been paid for when it comes to the first series for Star Trek Discovery by the Netflix deal meant mm-hmm. that they had the, the money. They weren't fully reliant on CBS to say, no, you do it our way because you're not going to have the money to go out and do it sort of thing. Um, so, and the fact that it's one of the reasons for the delays as well is things weren't ready, so they pushed back the release rather than saying, no, we've got to get this out because as it's not on, sort of, we say terrestrial network. TV, um, what the Americans call cable um, network TV, is all their stuff relies on advertising slots. So, a show is basically sold for 
a particular time on a particular channel and that's what drives everything but now it's on a streaming service they've got greater flexibility so hopefully without that interference we should get a lot better storytelling i feel um as i said i don't know for sure how much it's true or accurate but um sort of time will tell and correct me if i'm wrong but i saw something flash up was an article the other day it's already been renewed for season two I haven't actually seen that. It's been hinted at that internally they've given the green light for the second season, but nothing's actually been publicly announced yet. But as you say, the, the Netflix deal secured the funding for the first season, even probably for those extra couple of episodes. Uh, if they do announce a second season before it premieres, you're pretty much saying to everybody jump straight in it's not going anywhere and a lot of people now in in the streaming world say you know i don't even start a series until i know it's got at least a second season because people Uh are getting fed up of starting a show and seeing it cancelled and especially in sci-fi you see that a lot because of the production costs whereas if it's sort of a reality tv show well they don't even have to pay talented um, camera operators they literally can use joe blogs off the street to just hold a sort of handheld cam because these things they they can just record in 4k um they don't need any sort of special tools or skills and they just do it so cheaply it's one of the reasons why the sci-fi channel renamed themselves to Seafy and started doing all the reality tv crap and wrestling and uh-huh. sort of it was cheap to produce. They could get it out the door very quickly. And lots of people tuned in. Um, for me, I don't go in for that sort of thing. But there is a lot of people that did. And science fiction series just tended to go away. So, Mike, as you said, there are a lot of people who, until the second season is over, and even if just knowing that there's a third season, they go, okay, I'll actually start watching that. It's certainly going to be a second season. Certainly going to be cheaper because most of the the sets will be already built. Uh, certainly, Discovery, of course. Whether there are <laughs> the uh, in, uh, not Shinzon, uh, how do you pronounce it? Shinzo. Yeah, whether that set's still in use or just put a new nameplate on the next to the turbo lift. <laughs> well, actually, the Shinzo and the Discovery sets are exactly the same. Are they? What oh. they're doing. Um, do you know you know in the behind the scenes for Stargate Universe they had sets where literally um basically one room was used for multiple things. They literally yeah. just turned something around or rolled something else in. The same thing has happened. Basically what they're doing is the Discovery and the Shinzao, they're slightly different lighting effects and they're literally repainting the bits that they need and that's it. It's exactly the same set, but just redressed. Hold on, lighting, does this mean lens flare? Please, no. <laughs> um, no, colours. Um, okay. One of the ships is more of a sort of, got uh, like a purpley sort of bluey colour, whereas okay. the other one's more of a orangey sort of colour, I think. Um, so both ships can be distinguished, but basically they're the same set, they're just redressed. That does kind of underline the, the two-part uh, 
two-part elements to the first mm-hmm. season, doesn't it? Because it's not that's not something you're going to be doing on a daily basis. You, they filmed the first half uh, on one set, then redressed it for the Discovery. Yeah, but it means they save on space and everything else. And you get this with a lot of science fiction shows. Um, with Dark Matter, they have an um, an, an after show as well. Um, can't think what it's called now. Um, after Dark. And the studio they're using for that is actually one of the um, sets for the... Um, the show and that room is actually used for like three different things um so it seems to be the way that people tend to do things these days is they repurpose one set so it's not like they have one set to do this one set to do another it's literally repaint bring in this panel or that bit and voila it's like um, in dark matter the bedroom each person had their own room but that room was exactly the same for every one of the shots. All they did was put in the relevant props and beds in a certain way with colours and screens. And yeah, one set did it all. Yeah. So um, they're very clever with the way they create these sets now. So they can make use of a smaller amount of room to do an awful lot of shooting. And that makes it cheaper because they're not having to keep destroy all this stuff and then recreate it and things like that. So as it's already been created, it means that going forward, yes, that things like that would be cheaper. Although, of course, as things move along, we will see other ships and other bridges. Now, talking about other ships, this is the first time we've seen more than one hero location. We know we're getting basically two pilots for this series. And we've got the Shinzao and we've also got the Discovery. And it looks like from one of the trailers there may be another ship involved as well. Usually when it comes to especially premieres of a TV show, you don't usually get that many locations. So for me, one of the things that sort of excited me was the fact that we have all this, and it looks like we're getting it right out the box. That should be quite good, because wasn't it... I cannot remember who said this and where. Someone came up with a comment of that they had to put the engineering section in the pilot, because if they didn't, they would they doubt as if it would be made. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but that suddenly flashed back in my mind. But it's kind of like they're putting it all in there, so maybe they are planning for future things to have all these things sort of up and running or maybe it's just going to be one epic opening yeah because wasn't it um the original series they didn't build you didn't because you don't get to see the engine room for mm-hmm. um i think it's until season two even maybe it's quite a while before you actually see that because they didn't have the money to create the set and of course, every location they were in was just the same thing, just again, redressed. You could spot the same sort of rocks and everything else in a lot of the episodes. Which I have to laugh that they even paid, paid homage to that in Star Trek Online with some of the Agents of Yesterday missions. <laughs> yeah. If you look really carefully, it's the same map. Yeah. And yeah, just the way these things are done, it's going to be very interesting to see where it's all being taken now. Okay, go on. 
No, I'm saying this is where we need a time machine just to get to the 25th, just so we can watch it. I know, right? But yeah, we haven't got long left. As we record, we're just under sort of two weeks away. And um, sort of this will be released um, literally the week that it's being released. Um, so if you're listening on our release um, of this episode, um, you'll be listening on the 20th of September. So you're literally just a few days away from seeing the first episode. I'm Not... jealous of future me. He's listening to this right now. <laughs> Already days closer. Okay, here's one good thing then. Uh, they released a bit of uh, the mu- the theme music today. Ooh. Only a little bit, a bit of behind the scenes uh, in the recording studio with a full orchestra. No, no current pop music, no chart music. This <laughs> is going to be orchestral. That I am very thankful for. As every good Star Trek theme tune should be. Yep. Yeah, I've actually got um, a blog from Trek Today that has the video and that of that. I haven't actually had a chance to listen to it yet. Yeah. But what I'll do is when this episode is released, I will include the link to the trektoday.com page. So if you haven't heard it and would like to, um, you can actually just visit our show notes on our website, newhorizons.show, and you can actually take a listen. Yeah, straight away. In a year, six months, a year, if La La Land release a Star Trek Discovery soundtrack album, I will be buying it. <laughs> Why? Because I cannot not buy any Star Trek music. <laughs> yes, it's good that it's orchestral again. Um, although, to be honest, I didn't have a problem with the Enterprise theme tune, either of them. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I forced myself to forget about that until this moment. I don't know, yeah, uh, what's the closing music? Is it Archer's theme for Enterprise? I think that's I that's the official name for it. That, that's the best piece of music from Enterprise, and if that had been the theme music, I'd have been smiling all the time. You know, you know it's a good piece of music when when you're binge watching something and you let the title credits play every time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Voyager, DS Nine, not a problem. I just I'll let it play. I'll listen to it every time. The Voyager soundtrack does something to me. Like <laughs> I can't even explain. Uh, now, as well as the TV show about to be released, um, we've also got the first Star Trek Discovery novel that will be released soon as well um literally on september 26th so two days after the u.s release and the day after the international release of star trek discovery you'll have desperate hours from david mack um that's going to be released so this is a tie-in novel and once the first half of the season has been out and been reviewed um we'll actually go and review that novel as well so if you're not sure where to get it again there'll be links in our show notes on where you can get it actually i'll include links so you can just click and then buy if you want to i've already pre-ordered mine are either of you two going to be reading that i have pre-ordered mine as well 
Uh, I would do, but I've got a philosophical objection to paying that sort of money for a Kindle or a paperback. I'm now going to double check. How much did I pay for this again? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought Star Trek click. I look at all the other Star Trek books I've bought recently, and then I look at the price of that one. I'm thinking, I'm sorry, but it's not you, an extra two pound. You're gouging me. No, no reason that that book has got to be more expensive than every other Star Trek book that's out this year. The only reason is because you ex- you're milking the market, and I'm not going to pay it. So I'll I'll take a step back at that. I'll not listen to any reviews of it. Perhaps I'll buy it next year sometime. Well, why you often find is the prices higher and because especially if you're purchasing it through amazon what they tend to do is they have a price promise so it will never increase but i usually find shortly beforehand is they tend to get lowered a little bit sometimes by as much as a penny damn <laughs> <laughs> like i i it was 7.99 i've reordered it for and i'm looking at some of the other kindle books like Star Trek Kindle books, they kind of come in and around about the seven ninety nine price as well. So, yeah, I, I I personally didn't notice anything too different from a lot of the books. Um, as with most things, if there's going to be a greater sort of demand for something, it tends to be on the higher price. I usually find that the cheaper novels are ones that have been out a very long time, um, which are around the sort of four five quid mark sort of mm. thing or less but um yeah often if it's a brand new novel then i'm it's yeah it can be between 5.99 and 7.99 generally but yeah i've ordered my kindle edition and um yeah i'll have links for the us and the uk stores on our show notes and if you're from another country and you'd like us to list links to other Amazon stores or other stores that you're interested in, um, then let me know. I i don't mind doing a bit of research for you, so that way you can just get it from our show notes. Okay, so is there anything else you guys want to add before we finish up? Talking about this has weakened my resolve. I'm about to go and watch everything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the only the only good thing about that is really you, you, it doesn't give too much away. I've I've watched most of them now and I'm still wonderfully in the dark. Yeah, they've been very clever. I feel with the trailers is they haven't really shown any of the storyline. They've sort of shown off the uniforms, parts of the ship. Again, we ha- still haven't seen Discovery, so they've kept an awful lot hidden away from us. But yet they've shown quite a bit so, oh um, i'm one of these conspiracy theorists i'll be sitting like with a map and several pictures and drawing red lines across everything this link's <laughs> here this link's here so um so yeah um if you haven't yet seen any of the trailers then i have actually written a blog on our website so go to newhorizons.show and it's titled star trek discovery trailers so it sort of lists all the different trailers that have come out and has the different versions so um, it doesn't matter whether you're from the UK and Europe or if you're from the US you should be able to find a link to actually view each of the different trailers that have been released. That's it for this week and next week will be the review of Star Trek Discovery Episode 1. 
So tune in to find out what we think about it. And if you do have your own thoughts that you would like us to discuss, then contact us. So you can get hold us hold of us through each of the social networks. We're all over the place. You can get us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Horizons Podcast. You can tweet at us at New Horizons Cast. You can find us on Google Plus, Star Trek Riser social media site. You can even record a message through the widget on our website or by going to speakpipe.com forward slash New Horizons Podcast. Or if you just like to send us an email, you can get us crew at newhorizons.show. Or you can just visit our website and use the form on the contact us page or leave a comment on any of the blogs or posts. So lots of ways you can get hold of us. So please do. We always look forward to your thoughts. And thank you for all the comments um, to the YouTubers. Um, had some interesting discussions um, on episode two. Yes, episode two. Well, until next time, thank you very much for joining us and take care. Bye. Bye-bye.